FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. It's a flashback episode. I am your host, Jason, on the road again, Venable, and I'm here with podcast legend, John, making podcasts with my friends, Wilson. How's it going? Is this really John Wilson, or is this the other guy who looks a lot like me? That's <laughs> what I want to know. cat, yeah. Right? I, there's coffee cat killers, there's also coffee cat podcasters, so we'll never know, I guess. You'll, 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 you'll have to wait till we get to the end and we can have the, all the exposition to find out who I really am. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, so this is a, uh, a flashback episode. Uh, I guess we'll tentatively call it 90s Hulk Road Trip, which I think is what the story promises. I don't know if that's what we actually get. <laughs> yeah, it's called but, uh, On the Road, and then there's not a whole lot of road tripping in the actual story. Yeah, no, not much, um, but there's a little bit, uh, but uh, I guess we will get there. Uh, we'll be talking about um, the next chapter of Marvel Comics Presents, uh, starring Wolverine and the Hulk, so that would be fun. Um, Written course, by a guy who's not writing either one of those characters. Yeah, actually, when we get there, I have some questions, because I don't really know who this guy is. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. And I have a, I have some thoughts about who, who I think he might be as far as who's a love child he might be, but um, maybe we'll save that for the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, but yes, uh, John Wilson, of course, from lots of different podcasts throughout the ages, but um, uh, most currently, um, make ours Marvel and all the pouches and image and image comics podcast. Sorry, I tripped on that a second. But um, both uh, fantastic shows that are in my regular rotation. And then you also have one with your son, um, Keenan, on the, uh, I forget what it's called, but the Proto Power Rangers show. Yeah, it's going to be called Super Silly Sentai, starting after the first of the year. Nice. Uh, that'll be every Saturday at johnreadscomics.com. It's an audio commentary podcast on the first incarnation of Super Sentai, which is called Go Ranger. There you go. Not go- so. So Power Ranger just added some extra words. They took Go Ranger and then added Go Power in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, Japanese does a. I've learned this. Japanese does a lot of cross language puns. They'll do puns on Japanese and Chinese, and they'll do puns on Japanese and English. And Go Ranger both means go like in English, but also Go is Jap- Japanese for five. And it's a squad of five rangers. Oh. So Go Ranger is actually a big old fat pun. Nice. Yeah. I, I love puns, so that, that works well for me. <laughs> so very cool, very cool. So definitely check all of that out. And we'll uh, do uh, Twitter handles and websites and all that at the at the plugs at the end. Um so really kind of an interesting story here as we're going to get into Marvel Comics Presents in early 1990. Uh, I believe this is one, two, three, four, five, six. 
an eight-chapter story um, that kind of follows Wolverine around. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to really figure out exactly where this falls, so I'm not going to try too hard. But um, basically, somewhere along the line, he's looking for his ex-buddies, and he can't find them. And um, that's kind of where this story picks up. Um, so, yeah. Marvel Comics Presents 54 to 61. So, um, John, I'm guessing uh, probably save our, our claw rating for the end. Does that work for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just looking through Michael Higgins' credits. I know you said you want to talk about him later. I'm just looking to see what else he's done because I've read a lot of his X Men related stuff. Well, what and... X Men stuff has he done? Okay. Maybe I've read him and just forgot. So. He took over Rom right at the time of that one two issue story where um Rom where there's that baby that's like a hybrid baby that turns into the alien from the end of Mega Man 2 and like Wolverine and Kitty Pride and all of them have to go kill the, and and the X-Men come after Rom because it looks like Rom's trying to kill a kid when the kid is actually an alien. You covered it, but you might not remember it. <laughs> um, and that's his first X credit. Then he uh, he, <laughs> he did X Men Micronauts, I which read is that too. a okay. questionable story at best. Um, <laughs> he did one or two Dazzler issues, but nothing. No, sorry, he's, he didn't write those. He just lettered that. Let's see what else has he written. Written. Um, <clears throat> he did some. Uh, that's also lettering. Crap, what is he writing? I'm sorry. He, you know, I thought it was going to be all helpful and informative, and it turns out, <laughs> no. Um, well, no, you, but you reminded me that I've actually talked about him at least twice on the podcast. G.I. So. Joe and the Transformers. Uh, he wrote G.I. Joe and the Transformers. That is not an X credit, but darn it, I found some writing credits. There you go. Um, I need to go back and George Lucas the last five minutes of this podcast because everything I was just talking about, he was actually the letterer on, not the writer on. Oh, okay. His first writing credits that are X related are whenever Wolverine had that first run in Marvel Comics Presents, and then the comic was given over to other teams and other X characters, and there was an Excalibur multi-parter where they fought the not Looney Tunes characters. Oh, that Eric Larson drew. Yeah, Eric Larson. Yeah, he wrote that. Okay, cool. Gotcha. He wrote that, and he wrote um, he wrote one or two Excalibur issues that are really they 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 don't go down super easily. But he's actually still very early in his writing career at this point. Um, okay. He hasn't done a whole lot else besides this at this point. Gotcha. All right. Well, then I will we'll keep that in mind as we, we talk about the story. I think that actually explains some things. <laughs> yeah. But, um, for To me, he's most famous for killing the Power Pack. Like, he did the last big oh. run of the Power Pack, and he did a whole lot of stuff that they later came back and said, never mind, that was just kidding. It was all... Oh, oh, oh. So he didn't kill the characters off. He, he literally killed the, killed the series. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That's not a good claim to fame. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. This, uh, this story goes, not to start off on a bad foot, because this story actually goes down pretty well. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. We may so feel differently on it. No, n- not too differently, I don't think. Um, 
So we'll go ahead and jump into it then. Um, and this is On the Road, an eight-part story uh, that starts in Marvel Comics Presents number 54. Uh, the first part is The Long and Winding Road, and it's uh, written by Michael Higgins, penciled by Dave Ross, inked by Dan Day, letters by Todd Klein, and colors by Brad Venkata. Dan uh, Day? Dan oh. Day? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, if, I wonder if he wakes up every day and goes, today is Dan Day. Like, just looks in the mirror and, and, and affirms that this is Dan Day. You are good enough. You are smart enough. And remember, every day is Dan Day. That's right. <laughs> so this first cover is also by Dave Ross. It'll be the only cover he does. Um, I mostly like it. It's got Gray Hulk real big in the background and then... Wolverine standing on a rocky ledge in the foreground. Um, that part's pretty cool. And then on the back, we have nods to the other stories, like the Shroud, who, if Cloak was a white guy, um, and then Werewolf by Night, and then Tiger Shark versus Stingray um, on the back cover there. But um, but the front cover is what we're looking at, and I actually think. I mean, as we'll discover through this book, his Wolverine looks pretty decent most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of this cover? It's inked a little heavily, but yeah. as a concept, it's a really solid, non-specific Wolverine Hulk cover. There you go. Um, but will they meet as friends or foes? It's the little bubble at the bottom there. Yeah, and I guess we'll find out pretty quickly, but not in this issue. <laughs> This is true. I like the little <laughs> coloring, um, little coloring effect at the bottom there. Wolverine is standing on some sort of outcropping that overlaps with the Hulk's fist in the background. Oh yeah. And they've done this like coloring thing where the Hulk has a gray and the outcropping has the same gray, but where the images are overlapped, they've like toned it back to a really, really faint, almost white um, color there, just oh. so you can continue to see the Hulk's fist. Interesting. I didn't realize that's what they were doing, but you were absolutely 100% right. That is really cool. That makes me like the cover a little bit more. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, like we talked about, uh, Wolverine is looking for his ex-family, so he follows a reported mutant sighting to South Carolina. Um, turns out that's really Freedom Force, which, and there's an asterisk. I also just read... Um, Incredible Hulk 369, where Hulk fights Freedom Force. Uh, of note, that is Dale Keown's first Hulk issue. So, kind of a cool little little nod there. Um, Did Dale Keown have a Hulk run? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes, John. He had a huge... I don't I don't know if it's consecutive from this point. I think he, there may be a couple of uh, start and stops. I don't remember for sure. But early 90s... Um, that's kind of where he cut his teeth and got got to be really famous so that he could jump ship and go to Image. It, it's what I get for not being much of a historian for the 90s and the early, you know, <laughs> right before. Because I'm, I'm just reading comics and talking about them on the Image show. And I'm right. just enjoying the Image comics. Yeah. But the fact that Dave Keown is drawing the pit and it looks like the Hulk, I'm just like, okay, he's, <laughs> he's doing a Hulk-like character. It yeah. didn't occur to me that he had had a Hulk run. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
it's pretty it's a pretty epic run too i mean i think most if not all of it is still part of peter david's run that is you know spans years on the book um mm. and it's it's pretty pretty fantastic yeah, it looks like from yeah 369 until 398 okay so it's consecutive cool i'm yeah. looking forward to because a lot of it i've read it in bits and pieces i'm looking forward to reading the whole thing um this go around so well anyway back to uh south carolina is he misses freedom force and doesn't realize it's not the x-men but instead while driving in the rain he saves bruce banner from a bear in the rain which is, you know, a fun little beat. Um, he gives him a ride, but they're both really grumpy, so Logan lets him out. Um, and then he starts to get worried about the poor guy, and he tracks him to a cave to find... Dun-dun-dun! The Hulk! Yeah. Um, and along the way, there is a random page of yes. Naked Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, we definitely will get to that in a second because it really throws me off. Um, it will make sense eventually. It almost <laughs> fits. It's enough to make you go, "Wait, what was that?" Right. In just this chapter by itself, it's really confusing, but it does make sense eventually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there. I like the opening narration. I like the sort of scene setting. Um, I. And a little bit amused that Wolverine has like lost the X Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out where this is because is this? I guess really the question is: Is it before? It's got to be after Siege Perilous because to fit with the the Hulk story. But it's kind of like I don't know. I mean, doesn't shouldn't maybe Psylocke and Jubilee be with him? I don't know. Was um, it after Siege Perilous, or is it just in the uh, in Australia? Wait, did Siege Perilous start Australia or end Australia? Uh, ends Australia. Siege Perilous ended Australia, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, my thought is maybe it was like just during the protracted stay in Australia whenever <laughs> everyone thinks that they're dead and Wolverine comes and goes as he pleases. Yes. It, yeah, it could be for sure. Um, and maybe the whole book is just behind or maybe the two books don't line up, <laughs> which is very possible. Um, yeah, because if, 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 that's, if that's the case, he knows where they are. They're in friggin' Australia. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do love the first page, though. If you read the last couple of caption boxes, like he's an excited little kid, because uh, they have they have all the exclamation points. And he says, um, you read it one way. You can read it classic Wolverine. rest of the world thinks they're dead. I know better. I'm Wolverine. I'm going to find them. Or you can really play into the punctuation and say, rest of the world thinks they're dead. I know better. I'm Wolverine. I'm going to find them. Yeah. Maybe it was just because it was like midnight last night when I was reading. No, no, no. I I got the same kind of feeling. It's like, it's really a little bit overwrought dialogue. Um, So do you think the bear is an intentional nod to the opening of the Claremont Miller miniseries where he fights the bear? Or do you think it's just kind of, he just wanted him to fight an animal? Um, I think having him fight an animal is just, is just a neat thing for him to do in the rain on the road in the, in the, in the near Appalachian areas. Um, <laughs> right. I, I didn't even think about the fact that it was kind of like the opening of the Wolverine miniseries, 
Um, but it may be, it may be that they're like, hey, let's go ahead and do that. We like Wolverine fighting bears, right? Yeah, it's in that Claremont book. Um, he does make the crack about Russia, though. Guess you didn't hear about Glasnost. The bear is supposed to be friendly now. Um, what does that mean? I, I, that went over my head. Okay, is that so like I have a, a circus bear. I have a tangent on this. So, All right. um, in political cartoons and other such circles, the bear has symbolized Russia, right? Uh, during the Cold War and such. So, um, you're in the Dallas area, and you have some some you know Christian bent to your to your family culture. Have you ever run across an organization called End Time Ministries? Yes. Yep. Yes. Their Politics and religion. Is, uh... Um, not too far from my office. <laughs> so I used to be one of their, I want to go ahead and pick a word that's not the most flattering. I used to be one of their acolytes. Um, I used to, <laughs> that's the word I was thinking. So <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> um, I would, you know, I, I studied his beliefs on how the end time prophecies were being interpreted. And one of the things was the Russian bear and um, the American Eagle, the Russian bear, and uh, other stuff because his his looks at some of the symbology used in the Revelation book are really unique. And um, anyways, I don't I don't want to go into too much detail because it take too much time. But yeah, <laughs> the Russian bear end time prophecy. Rem- this comic reminded me of a, of a phase in my life. Ah. Well, then we should make a Wolverine movie where Kirk Cameron plays Wolverine. Wh- we should definitely not not ever do that. Why would you say, <laughs> why would you make me make me hear that with my ears? <laughs> uh, oh, and the the guy from Charles in Charge, buddy that played Bible Man, he can dress up like a bear. We can just reenact the scene with Kirk Cameron and Bible Man. <laughs> uh, Scott Bayo. No, no, he's Charles in Charge. The other guy, uh, Buddy. Who is his kind of clueless friend? Oh, I think. He went on to make a whole series, I think mostly of DVDs, um, where he was a guy called Bible Man. He dressed up like in a rubber muscular suit um, and did Bible stuff, I guess. I don't actually really know. I just remember thinking it was really funny trivia. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yay. I think VeggieTales is like the the high shoulder, head and shoulders above most other oh, children's entertainment sure. in yeah. that in that area. For sure. Um, uh, anyways, so saving Doctor Banner. Okay, so I guess we're just assuming then, because it looks a heck of a lot like it's nighttime. But I guess it's just that dark of a storm. Because Banner is Banner and not Hulk. And he turns into the Hulk at night right now. Right. So it kind of threw me off when we because we met him. And I was like, oh, I bet this is going to be Banner. But I was like, oh, but no, it's, it's nighttime. So it's somebody else. But then when he ends up being Banner, I was like, oh, I guess it's just one of those where the clouds are so dark. It looks like nighttime. It's really during the day. Well, he uh, literally changes like five minutes later at the end of this chapter. So I'm thinking I, we're just like right at that moment. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. So you talk about on page six, there's a random page, very a very dark page. Um, 
of a naked Wolverine coming out of the shadows and blooding, looks like killing somebody, with a snick without a T, which at first bugged me, but that will also make sense later. But I, I literally wrote in my first note, because I took notes as I went, and then went back and kind of changed some things after we finished the story. Mm-hmm. But in my original notes, I said, is this a printing error? Is this page in the wrong place? <laughs> right. Well, here's here's the weird thing is that Higgins is playing with his scripting on this. Because yeah. at the bottom of page five, um, I'll wait a while. Maybe he'll come to his senses. If not, he's finished as far as I'm concerned as the guy is wandering off. The next page he won't bother me anymore. And Wolverine walks up, snicks his claws, and bloodies someone off panel. No, no! Next page, couldn't let him just wander off like that. And it, yeah. for a second, you're like, did Wolverine just kill that guy? Right. Because that's what the <laughs> scripting lets you think. But then immediately, it shifts it. It's like, I followed his scent here, but now even that's gone. Nothing more for me to do. So it's like, you don't really quite know what just happened. Yeah, no. And and I'm going, I'm going to spoil one of my opinions on this story. I think the very short page count makes that a little bit less effective um, than if we read it like all in one chunk. Um, it maybe helps the pacing a little bit um, and kind of takes away that feeling of it being out of place. But no, I think when you read it, in the context of the whole story, it's actually pretty cool, um, but it definitely threw me for a loop. I was, I came out of this issue reading it for the first time, being very confused. Um. Yeah, um, there are few times where Marvel Comics Presents story has not read better all in one go. I think yeah. the Tiger Tiger is one of the places where that didn't work because there were some scripting inconsistencies in that from <laughs> right. one chapter to the next. But like most of these that we've done on here. I've usually read in pretty rapid succession yeah. on, on my second read, as opposed to whenever I first read them, you know, a while back, you know, and sort of slated into the reading order with everything else that I'm reading. So yeah, it, it, it does flow a lot more smoothly. And um, that's probably my one big strike against the story is as individual chapters released by weekly, there are a lot of WTF moments that might just be too off putting. Yeah, yeah, I think one of my notes I said, is this is this mysterious or is it just annoying? <laughs> right. And I think and I think your reading experience changes that, um, depending on how you read it. And so yeah, I think it's definitely maybe some of this was a casualty of, of the format, but we can we can elaborate more on that uh, once Thank we you. get to the conclusion. I really love so in in or out of place, the art on page six is pretty great. It's very striking visually. And I really like the next page as well when he finds the Hulk in the cave. And I really like Wolverine sense. Um, <laughs> where it looks like he has spider sense around his cow. Um, I thought that was a really nice image. Um, and then the Hulk in the shadow is a really nice image. So he did not recognize Bruce Banner by scent. He recognizes the Hulk by scent, but he did not recognize Banner by scent. I don't know if he would have any exposure to Banner yet, would he? Because they met thought, in Wolverine's first appearance, and he's. Hulk I thought Hulk. he hooked up Banner with some women's in that one Wolverine issue. 
Didn't he do that to like piss the Hulk off? Didn't he like? Oh yeah, you're right. And Wolverine nine and ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. So he should at least be familiar. Maybe it's just not in his. And I think it was the last time they met. Yes. Yeah. That is. That is. I forgot about that. I was going back to the McFarlane issue, um, an Incredible Hulk, um, and Banner. He doesn't. He doesn't change in that one, but he does in the Wolverine one. You're right. Um. So what do you think of Ross going with the old school flat top Frankenstein head? Um, I like it. I like a variety of Hulk designs. Um, yeah. To me, Bruce Banner changes into the Hulk. Every transformation is unique. So if the Hulk looks different today than he looked yesterday, it's because this change just went a little bit differently. Um, and I do like, I mean... Of course, over on Medgar's Marvel, we've we've done the first six Hulk issues, and his look was very inconsistent. But the Frankenstein right. flat top was definitely one of his looks. I dig it. Yeah, I think it's cool. I I've never really thought or put it in words like that, but I like your idea that why would the Hulk be consistent? You know, maybe the emotions would have been different or whatever. Um, and it kind of helps explain some of the different incarnations, but even amongst the incarnations there could be variances i think it's a really cool idea that's just how because i used to be kind of pedantic about about character designs like they really need to look the same from page to page from story to story from issue to issue and even if a monster um you know there, there needs to be some reason why he would be different but yeah um i think that one off-putting page aside i thought this is a really solid opening chapter yeah no, I agree. I agree. It worked. It worked well. Um, definitely, you're you're gearing up for finding out on that cover tease what's going to happen in part two. How much are they going to fight? Um, so, so speaking of the next part is fifty five, which is with friends like these. I think all the credits are the same. Um, who does the cover on this one? This is June Brigman. Speaking of the power pack, this is June yeah. Brigman and Roy Richardson. So we have um, this is a, a little bit more story specific. It's Wolverine is sort of crouched down with his claws out, and and Hulk is like standing poised and towering above him, like they're about to throw down. And on the back is like the uh, the collective man um whoever that is and where uh they're containing the werewolf by night story and they're continuing the stingray story um but the main part is the front with wolverine and hulk and you know june brigman is 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 in my mind best known for power back power pack and her delightful cartoonish style that comes with that and how just you know childlike everything is yeah she pulled some other jeans out for this because this is not that style. And I think it looks rather good. Yeah. I think, didn't she also have a, I won't say lengthy, but a fair run on alpha flight. Mm, may have done. Um, I can look her up real quick and find out. Um, I may be remembering that wrong. That may be somebody else. Make sure not to get her confused with her lettering jobs. Like I did with the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, she, I just really love her style to me. Um, power pack is Simonson writing and Brigman, um, doing the art 
that is quintessential power pack. And uh, here she is, June Brigman. Um, there's a New Mutants annual. Okay. Some She-Hulk. There was a small run on Alpha Flight. Yes, 45, okay. 46, 49, 50, and 52. There you go. All right. And an annual. So, yeah. I think this art reminds, because it looked familiar to me, the power pack aside. So maybe she had kind of a more, I don't want to say darker. There's nothing dark about this, but just a more classic comic book versus the cartoony. Um, but yeah, it's a cool cover. Did you read the um, after the death and return of Superman? There was a Supergirl miniseries, uh, four issue miniseries in like 1990, late three, early 94. No, I don't think I had that. Okay, she wrote, she drew that. Okay, cool. Um, and then after that, she basically stops comics for 15 years. Wow. All right. Or at least, or at least if she's doing comics, she's doing comics that Mike's Amazing World has not cataloged. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, same credits, Higgins, Ross, Day, Klein, Venkata, On the Road continues with part two with friends like these. Um, Wolverine and, and Hulk throw some banter back and forth, and they're like, I guess we got to fight, right? We're going to fight. And Wolverine's like, yeah, we're going to fight. And they start fighting. Hulk doesn't really want to be fighting Wolverine, but Wolverine figures that he needs to get the first pops in because he's a little guy and the Hulk is like this big old Hulk. And, um... Wolverine eventually falls into the river and like sloops down the river and falls over a waterfall. And um, the Hulk just comes after him. And Wolverine's like, uh, so do we have to keep fighting? Cause I've kind of decided I want to be friends. Hulk's like, yeah, let's <laughs> be friends. And they do a handshake and Hulk's hand eats Wolverine's hand. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty great. And then they like sit around a campfire and like, roast s'mores and talk and they get in a truck they start driving and wolverine is this little bitty driver and hulk <laughs> takes up hulk takes up like 80 percent of the front seat and his head is bulging out the top of the truck i love that there's something like hannah barbera about his head trying to poke through the roof that just right? tickled my fancy hardcore there's an overhead shot of the truck pulling into a gas station <laughs> distended blister on the top of the truck (laughs) it's fun problem is they go to get some gas and wolverine walks to the gas station the guy pulls a rifle on him says stuff about you're not going to kill anybody else i'm going to stop you before you have a chance to do any more murder and wolverine's like i don't even know what the deal is i'm not a murderer um and they're no no you fit the description of the murderer let's go and outside banner has decided to hitchhike he's decided that he doesn't need Oh, because he, he and Wolverine discussed it, and, and he's going to keep on going on with his life. So Banner has left right as Wolverine is being confused for somebody else, or maybe he committed murders in his sleep. We don't know. We don't know. What we do know is that the sun in South Carolina rises and sets in record time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um... You know, when we get to the end and talk about the story overall, I think the art through this whole story is pretty good. I think this issue in particular, like the fight looks great. Um, I think really also the colors really work in this issue. Um, like with him, roll, when they roll down the cliff and then get in the water and 
you know, the lighting inside the cave and when Wolverine crawls out of the river and then the Hulk comes and busts into the clouds, like, oh, that just is visually very, very strong. Um, I really, really dug that whole really first six pages. Um, the sequencing and everything worked really well for me. Yeah, Dan Day is a very heavy inker. And you could make some different coloring choices and just lose the art in mm-hmm. the ink. But he makes some coloring choices that make make the different elements pop really well. Um, good example is top of page four as Hulk is coming out of the cave and Wolverine's pouncing from behind. Um, yeah. Wolverine is a fuchsia kind of color there. But because it's coming out of the shadows, it works, and he contrasts really nicely with the gray tones of the cave and the Hulk. Right. Um, so it's it's a color choice that is not necessarily realistic, but it evokes the shadows that would be going on there and helps you see Wolverine. It's just stuff like that throughout. He makes a lot of really good coloring choices that make different elements stand out well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It looks it looks fantastic. Um we go through almost this entire chapter with no reference to the the other person that we saw for one page in the first chapter. And I thought we were going to go the entire chapter without a reference. And then on the very last page, they, they think Wolverine is somebody else. So um, it's well, interesting. That's kind of the, yeah, that's kind of the first hint that maybe that page actually fits. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, so there, there's a, mis- a case of mistaken identity. So maybe that wasn't Wolverine. Maybe that was somebody else or something else. Or, or you know, Wolverine, we're just now really starting to get into the gaps in his memories. Maybe, you know, he's losing his mind to some degree. Um, he's out gallivanting around, cutting people up when he doesn't know. Um, I will say, I, I thought on page seven, that campfire scene could have gone a very different direction. Um, Hulk's like, or Wolverine's like, you know, I've never seen you this You know, guy. we don't know what happens between the campfire and the next morning. <laughs> yeah. And Hulk's like, don't start getting sappy on me. And Wolverine says, well, besides, there are other sides of me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know. You so, know, Wolverine and Hulk, they have a lot of different sides to their relationship. Yeah. It, it's very complex. It's not nearly as one note as Sabretooth. Right. I'm pretty sure that Sabretooth being a father figure and not for, you know, sleepy time. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> whereas the Hulk, you know, he's he's cuddly. Yeah. Like a big old teddy bear. Rampaging teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because earlier you said that, um, you know, the sun rises and sets on record time. And I'm like, well, you know, he turned into the Hulk at the end of last issue and he turns into Bruce Banner the next morning, which means they had to spend the entire night together. And yeah. uh, we only saw parts of it. That's true. You never know. There, never there are know. other sides. Other sides. Um, but yeah, no. I think uh, it does a little bit more on kind of saying, okay, maybe there's some, some clues in the story. It's not just nonsense. And then that fight is just really, really cool. Yeah, I think what Higgins is going for here is like a suspense thriller kind of thing. And it's just, it's not the best kind of story to tell when you have a limited page count for each chapter and a two-week delay. 
I think he's making good storytelling choices. I just think that it's not served by the format. Yeah. Because uh, I, looking back at that page six moment from the first chapter, I'm reminded of um, when you're watching a horror film or a thriller film or something, and you see like a few frames of an unrelated shot that's just there to make you go, what did I just see? Right. That kind of effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whenever Wolverine slashes up the guy, you're like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, what? And here they're talking about somebody who looks like Wolverine killing people. And now it's like, oh, wait a second. Um, and I've got to imagine the people who are reading this are probably rereading old chapters because they're just sitting around as kids on a summer day with nothing better to do than reread their comics. Right. Divided. Yep. Start looking for clues. Who could this be? Who could this be? Um, but I don't know if I have a whole lot else on this. Hulk is really, really funny, um, in the car. Their fight is good. I like the Hulk doesn't want it the entire time. It's like, do we really have to do this? And, um, Wolverine just thinks he's in self-defense mode that he doesn't even actually have to be in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're friends. Yeah. At least. (laughs) And then they're at least friends. Yep. Yeah. And there are benefits to that. That's right. (laughs) All right. Anything else on 55? No, I'm good. All right. So 56, it looks like same team. Uh, This cover is by Steve Lytle. Um, This has Wolverine and Hulk making almost the same pose, almost like a choreographed dance routine in the haunted forest. And they're approaching an unrelated werewolf claw. Um, I actually Which, wish you know, I was doing the recap on this one because I thought of a cool thing, but I don't want to. I don't want to steal your recap. Oh, okay. Well, if, if it's better than what I do, we can rewind. You can do it over. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So this is part three, shootout at the Fantasy Factory, which the first two chapters were very, very specific references. Um, if this one's a reference, I don't get it. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be a reference, uh, but most of the titles are. So, anyway. There's um, a shootout of the OK Corral, or is that Showdown? It's yeah, Shootout, it's shootout. Right? yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll Google Fantasy Factory and see if that comes up with anything. Okay. Um, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and do this recap that I wrote as I was reading. And so some of it we will have to uh, retrofit. Um <laughs> So Wolverine inexplicably goes crazy after one night in jail, or does he? Uh, Banter hitches a ride with some, I'm sorry, Banner, not Banter. Banner hitches a ride with some young folk. Uh, Wolverine cuts his way out of jail. Crazy, whitey, tidy Wolverine breaks into a pharmacy and literally eats bottles of pills. Uh, The kids get pulled over and Banner gets arrested, but the cops are called to hunt down Wolverine. Just like that, Wolverine is suddenly surrounded. The police gun him down. The sun sets, so Hulk busts out of the back of the police car, and not wanting to escape so fast as his legs could super jump, uh, he decides to steal a truck instead. Fantasy Factory is a beer and a reality TV show in 2009. Okay. So, um, I guess he's just using the phrase because it sounded good. Yeah. All right. 
One thing I really like about this is that when we transition, because as we as as turns out with this issue, there are definitely two Wolverines, but each transition from one Wolverine to the next is an almost identical scene. Right. Like Wolverine is in prison and then um, Wolverine is in a a town jail, a town lockup and he breaks out. And then we see the other Wolverine mysteriously having gotten out, trying to find food and everything. Um, And then we see the, you know, it's just like, there's sequences that make sense almost. Right. And then we see Wolverine, you know, uh, he, he was being chased and being pursued when he was trying to find food. Next time we see Wolverine, it's our Wolverine having been caught by the cops. He gets gunned down. And then, um, I think our Wolverine, the, the other Wolverine also gets hurt. Maybe, maybe that's the next chapter, but, uh, but anyways, so yeah, I really liked this, uh, the way this is set up. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. I don't know if I was as 100% confident as you that it was definitely two distinct people and still not some kind of either dream sequence or something. Um, but yeah, no, they definitely, the parallels are really cool and very, um, a very neat storytelling device. Maybe it was. I may not have been as clear the first time I read it at this point either. It's just uh, reading it for the shot. I read it once. And so this, this is right. where like, oh, this is what's going on. That's right. There are two of them and blah, blah, blah. Um, I did not remember how it all played out until we, I got to the end this time through. So there definitely were still some surprises, but we'll talk about that as we go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, one of the clues that he gives us, and again, this is, you know, this is part of the craft of the story is that the, narration boxes at this point the narration boxes start to distinguish themselves yeah that's true and um the 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 more jagged ragged orange um dialogue uh, you know inner monologue narration boxes they're saying things that are very wolverine ish but aren't quite right and we'll find out why that is as we go along. Yeah. But it, it's hard to tell the difference if you don't realize that there's supposed to be a difference. Yeah, because it could be read that it's just a different state of mind, right? Right, right. Um, so I, I think it's, it's interesting for sure. And I don't know. Yeah, um, I'll come back to the police um, unless you have something specific you want to say about them now. The police at the end? We're just some police throughout this whole story. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really have anything specific by the police. Um, okay. They're just good old boy cops. Yeah. Was that um, Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, is it? No, he just said, he just says, are you crazy, Smokey? Oh. Say, Wilford, how can we... I don't know Smokey and the Bandit well enough to know if that's actually I don't either. Smokey and the Bandit. I don't either. My friend Crazy Chris can tell us, but I can't ask him right now. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. I I thought it was weird that why the Hulk would steal the truck. <laughs> like, why didn't he just like hop away so no one can find him? But 
But I did think this scene of Wolverine getting shot is a very well-drawn scene. Like, with all the bullet lines, it looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really well-drawn shot. Um, and, you know, we've seen Wolverine get gunned down before, so it's not anything super new. But his healing factor is not as crazy here yet as it will be later. Right. Um, the the hippies who are Hulk's friends, they're uh, yep. they're pretty fun. They just like you know, all of a sudden they're driving by. And they, he's like, "Hey, half naked dude on the side of the road. He wants to go somewhere. Let's let's put him in the side." And it it's it's a weird moment because it almost feels like there should be more to them than this. And you're sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, and then they just sort of right. disappear from the story until the end. Right. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't really get resolved. Um, <laughs> so they, they end up being more just kind of passing characters. Like, we needed to know them. They needed to have some interaction for the for their comeback to work. And so we, that's kind of what happens here, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, anything else on this one? Nope. This was a. This is where they're starting to like really, really tease the uh, the story and what's going on here, and 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 really put some questions in your brain about what exactly it is you're reading, um, and so you're kind of wanting some resolution and some answers, which it's good that you know there's only one or two more chapters before those actually start happening. <laughs> right. Okay, so I have fifty seven. Yep. You took the evens because I'm odd. <laughs> um, this is another Wolverine and Hulk image. It's done by this is Dale Keown and Bob McLeod. Um, yeah, I like this one. Yeah, it's got Wolverine with the moon, big old full moon behind him as he's pouncing from the background of the image, claws raised to land on the Hulk. And Hulk is kind of in profile, he's definitely got you know. Um, brow protrusions going on <laughs> and the uh the logo the incredible hulk uh, his is it got in the way of his hand as he like moves his hand all startled he's accidentally smashed his own logo right hulk smash puny logo right that's what i would do with my logo <laughs> but um we open up the scene with Wolverine in his underoos laid out on a uh, slab about to get cut open by a corner. And the last time we saw a Wolverine in his underoos, it was like the crazy version of Wolverine. But this is actually going to be our Wolverine. Um, the corners, I think one of them's in training and the more experienced guy's like, no, 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 you take the buzz saw, buddy. <laughs> oh, really? Is this my first buzz saw? Yeah, we'll celebrate with some beers afterward. You just go ahead and cut this body open. And Wolverine's like, if they do that, I'll die, because I don't have a healing factor that'll heal me from that yet. I haven't had my skeleton ripped out of me. That's not till X-Men 25. So um, he wakes up just in time to like choke the guy who's about to buzzsaw him. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're supposed to be dead. Which is like a sort of recurring thing that Wolverine's supposed to be dead. Like Hulk's talked about it. Wolverine's talked about it. Uh, the idea that Wolverine is supposed to be dead has been like a recurring motif in the narration. So you're supposed to be dead. He's like, no, not dead. Don't, don't saw me open. 
So he grabs um, some clothes and wanders out of the hospital. Meanwhile, Hulk is driving in the truck, which now has <laughs> two blisters <laughs> in the top. One from where he was riding shotgun. And now that he's driving in the actual driver's seat, it's right. pretty great. So he's just cruising down the road. And um, let's see. I don't even think he has anywhere he's going. Wolverine's trying to find some clothes. Um, oh, yeah. Hulk hears on the news that uh, the pharmaceutical factory has been attacked and that the guy who's doing it has hostages. So he decides to go help. And um, he jumps in, and the guy who has the hostages is Wolverine somehow, some way, back in just his underoos. The clothes that he just grabbed in the hospital, he's no longer wearing them. Because, hey, it's not actually Wolverine. It's a guy who just looks like him. And he's taking some hostages, and he's, you know, got, like, medicine all around him. And the Hulk jumps in to save the day, and the Hulk immediately realizes this is not Wolverine. And the guy who is not Wolverine knows the Hulk. They've run into each other before. And he's like, I've changed a bit since we last met. Like he's a shapeshifter or body snatcher or something. And he leaps at the Hulk. Um, While I assure you, I'm not dead. Again, Wolverine's dead. This time you're going to be. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is where they spell it out for you that we have two different Wolverines. I will say I kind of took a pause here and really scratched my head. I really wanted to try to figure out who this was, and I couldn't um, <laughs> before the story told me. Um, I was not up to the challenge, um, but I thought it was a very interesting kind of twist and, and kind of the right time to let us know what was going on. I, I feel like. Another chapter or two may have drug it out too far, but I feel like mm-hmm. this is pretty good, pretty good timing. I agree. If they're if they're going to go so far as to intentionally mislead you about which Wolverine is going on, which is what they do at the beginning, so the the feral the feral not Wolverine that we've seen has been wandering around in his underwear the entire story, right? And this Wolverine, are the real Wolverine, in the opening scene is in his underwear, and so that's an intentional mislead of which Wolverine we're actually seeing here. If he's going to go that far in the story, he needs to go also farther and starting to explain stuff. And so right. he definitely get clarity by the end of this that there are two Wolverines. Yeah. But also, I've seen CSI, and they don't do autopsies in the underwear. They shine really, really bright lights on the private so you can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. Now, I've seen autopsies in the Twin Peaks morgue, and they're just like, you know, dead fluorescent lights. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, <laughs> is, there an, is there an influx of French people in South Carolina I'm not aware of? <laughs> and this guy's like, soccer blue. <laughs> right. Okay, you're not, you're not a musical fan, are you? Like of show tunes? Yeah. To a degree, yeah. Have you ever seen 1776? No, but I remember you talking about that the last time we recorded. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay, because well, every time anyone ever mentions North Carolina or South Carolina, I always think every time in that show when they take, like when they when the Congress takes a vote over a particular issue, 
and they come to North Carolina on the list, the representative of North Carolina always says, North Carolina respectfully yields to South Carolina. And then South Carolina, the much more forceful personality, says their vote. North Carolina says we do the same. And it goes on from there. But every time, <laughs> every time I hear Carolina, I think of two things. I think of that and I think of the song. Carolina in my mind. There you go. What about sweet Caroline? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be um, Judge Doom trying to find Roger Rabbit in the bar, and instead of Schaefer <laughs> haircut, he does Sweet Caroline, and Roger Rabbit bursts out the wall, bum bum bum. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, so. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't know what's going on with this not Wolverine, um, but he's got the people hostage. And again, with the coloring choices, because we've gone from a fully colored story. And, and as soon as we get to not Wolverine, we finally start to realize this is not Wolverine. All the colors are washed out. Yeah. Like this is this is a weird scene now and we're, we're expected to take it weirdly. Yeah. The more I talk about this comic, the more I really like the craft that was put into it. The story yeah. may or may not be the super best story, but there's a lot of techniques that are being used in it that are really clever. I agree. And I like that it doesn't look like Hulk gets out of the truck. It looks like he jumps through the roof of the truck. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> in my I head, mean, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else would the Hulk do? I right. kind of almost wish he still had the steering wheel in one hand. Um. <laughs> it, it's almost like he's holding it. Yeah. He's, he's definitely in a Superman pose there. That's pretty good. Oh, great. yes, for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that's really all I had for this one. Um, you know, it definitely kind of starts leading you down the path and wants to lead you down uh, to getting some specific answers. So overall, another solid chapter. Yeah. Um, and uh, really the answers come, start coming fast and furious next issue. So that's good. Yeah. It's, just, it's the right time in the story for it. Yep. I agree. All right. Anything else before we jump to 58? I'm ready for 58. All right. Uh, 58 is part five of eight. You can run, but you can't hide. Same creative teams. Uh, this cover is by X-Men legend Dave Cockrum. Um, we have a very Cockrum-y feel uh, with the guy in the background with the question mark over his face, the big shadowy foe, um, Hulk and his Daisy Dukes, Wolverine running down the hall, some kind of almost mechanical base looking thing um yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty neat cover what do you think of it yeah i like it um now that we know that there is a mysterious foe this is a very apropos cover uh who is the guy that's behind it all and wolverine i mean if not for the different printing and coloring techniques it almost looks like he could be bounding off of a 1978 nine ish issue it looks yeah yeah it's good sure and, what uh, way is Cal bleeds into the figure? Yeah, I like Hulk's Daisy Dukes. <laughs> you know, if, if you've got it, flaunt it. And if That's you right. don't like it, he'll smash you. Right. 
All right. Well, um, so Wolverine sees himself on the news holding hostages and decides to investigate. <laughs> At the pharmacy, Hulk and not Wolverine face off until naked Wolverine goes crazy and runs off. Hulk frees the hostages and finds the copycat who is weak and needs help. Hulk realizes the copycat is his friend. That was fast. Yeah. <laughs> you and I have talked about this comic before. Haven't have we? we? I feel like I feel like we had a conversation about this page with them fighting. Like you had like you had seen it ahead of schedule or oh, been flipping maybe. through issues or something. Or maybe you I don't know something about it. But I remember I remember I remember us talking saying something about it, it, it like probably after the recording on an episode one night. Okay. Um but evidently you didn't read the entire thing because that didn't happen until this time around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um this is largely a big fight, which yeah. It's kind of interesting because when you have Wolverine and the Hulk, you kind of want them to fight, and they made friends after issue two or chapter two. But this is the excuse to get more Wolverine Hulk fighting because it's not Wolverine, right? Yeah, so they get they get a do over, they get to fight again. Yeah, and um, the not Wolverine is you know very distraught over his own nature. He's needing drugs and everything for some sort of with his health. But once again, at the end. Hulk is like, oh no, I know who you are, but it can't be. You're dead. Once again, playing into the Wolverine's dead, just like right. recurring motif in this storyline. <laughs> yeah. But I don't actually have a whole lot to say on this because really nothing happens except a really cool fight sequence. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. And it is a cool fight sequence, but there's not much beyond that. And everything comes to four in the next chapter. Should we just dive on into 59? Yeah, go for it. Okay, kids. You don't have to wait too much longer. Marvel Comics Presents 59 shows a uh, Brad Venkata cover. He's the one who's been coloring this thing the entire time. Yeah. He took his hand to penciling this cover. And it has, Wolf, it has Hulk caught between two Wolverines. With the specters of the O5 X-Men in the background. Yeah, what? What right? is going on here? And That's another clue. Yeah, and if that doesn't intrigue you, I don't know. I don't know how to get you to read comics. Right. <laughs> um, because I saw that and I was like, what is it? Who is this guy? How could a Wolverine duplicate clone possibly be connected to the Silver Age X-Men? Um, I like the the copy on the cover says too many Wolverines. Yeah, I thought that was great too. <laughs> and this chapter of On the Road is called Nowhere to Run, Nowhere to Hide, which is not what it's actually called because you get to the title page it says Old Friends. <laughs> so uh, that's right, Hulk. I'm not Wolverine. I'm Calvin Rankin the Mimic. Yep. Surprised me. I was not. I was not going down that path. I but, was going to say Changeling, the guy who pretended to be Xavier and then died. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's who I was because he says you're supposed to be dead. I forgot about the whole mimic being in Hulk's issues and then dying I, at the end. 
I didn't forget that. I didn't know that. <laughs> so <laughs> that was this um, whole mimic history. There was some new stuff in there for me. Well, we get some history, and it, I, I didn't read it as carefully as maybe I should have, but um, we get some fleshing out of his background because Calvin Rankin is not a mutant. Calvin Rankin is was affected by a lab accident. He's a science gave, experiment. Yeah, he's a science experiment from his dad. His dad was sciencing, and he scienced wrong, and his science got all over <laughs> Calvin. And Calvin started um, copying abilities of those around him. At first, it was not noticeable to anyone but Calvin. He would uh, be able to do sports because he's around sports people. He'd be able to do school tests because he's around. You know, he's at school when his teachers are there. Um, but it would proceed from there. He. Um, there's a little bit of a flaw in the scripting because I don't think it mentions how he got a relationship with Vera. He just says that he's upset that Hank McCoy starts dating her. Um, so he comes after Hank McCoy because Hank McCoy's dating a girl. He likes Vera. And uh, then he starts fighting Beast and Bobby realizes they are X-Men. They take him back to the X-Men. He joins the team for a while because he can mimic abilities. He, so he's sort of like the super adaptoid of the X-Men. He has wings and eye blasts and all the stuff the X-Men have. Everything basically except Jean Grey's powers. Um, anyways, eventually, though, he, uh, he becomes leader of the team because Cyclops like gets on a crisis of conscience or something crisis of confidence. Uh, but then he loses his powers. And so he leaves the team until amazing adventures. When Hank McCoy also leaves the team to go get a science job, ends up secretly working for the secret empire and turns himself into gray beast. And there he runs into Vera again. And Vera also, that's when, um, Patsy Walker decides to join the Marvel Universe and leaves her book behind. Oh, Patsy okay. Walker is also tied into that storyline in her pre-Hellcat days. Gotcha. Um, and the Amazing Adventures run kind of ended with a lot of plots left dangling. And so the Beast and Vera investigation plot segues over into the Incredible Hulk. Because the Bronze Age did that like nobody's yeah. business. All if the you time. Had, yeah, if you had a creator... <laughs> drop a book those plot lines would get resolved either by that creator in another book which was more common or some other creator in another book would tie up that plot thread um so anyways to make a long story tolerable the hulk (laughs) is the hulk is in that book because it's his book and so the beast and his girlfriend and calvin who's really really sick and they're trying to help they all get in a tussle together. Calvin's powers come back uh, uh, and they fight, except that they, um, they're messed up because the science that his dad did had adamantium involved in it. And there was something about him being close to the Hulk, the radiation from the Hulk also messing with his powers. And so around the time of the Wolverine Hulk fight from Hulk 181, Calvin like lost control of his mind and body. And, if I read right, he's sort of been running around ever since. Yeah, that's how I took it. As, you know, not Wolverine living in the background and everything. Um, and so Hulk is a little bit 
feeling guilty because he realizes his presence in Calvin Rankin's life has had a very negative impact on him. And Wolverine shows up to help out. He's heard the story and Calvin's all pissed because Wolverine has ruined his life in a way that I'm not entirely certain why it's Wolverine's fault. But, oh, well, because being near Wolverine, Calvin has turned into Wolverine. He's like, I can't live life like this. Right. So um, he's mad at Wolverine and they're about to throw down whenever the issue ends. Yep. I was really curious. So big old info dump. Yeah, yeah. A lot of exposition. A lot of flashback. And, you know, I've I've read some of this, but not all of it. So I don't know how much of it is retcon and how much is just retelling. Um, I was really curious whether... Like the whole 160 story really involved adamantium, or they threw that in now. Um, but the idea that his powers went crazy and he kind of mimicked Wolverine permanently. I really, <laughs> I can't decide if I really like the idea of Wolverine kind of lurking around right before his first appearance or not. Um, it seems like if he had encountered the Hulk, he would have maybe acted a little faster. Just knowing Wolverine's personality, but, but it's kind of cool just saying, hey, you know. He was on the job before we saw him. Um, so that, that's interesting too. So I kind of go back and forth on that one. But um, I can see him as tracking the Hulk and like sort of monitoring him for a while, getting a feel for how this creature moves. Because when you see him in that first shot, he's jumping out of cover. He's jumping out of that's the brush. That's true. Yeah. I could see him skulking back there for if if, if a few hours, if nothing more. Right. Um, and just kind of getting a feel for what it is he's about to do for this job. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah, we don't see him do that a whole lot because comic book storytelling doesn't really allow for that kind of sculpting <laughs> very much. But right, <clears throat> I was just—I thought it was cool to see the mimic again. The mimic is a really neat part of Silver Age X-Men history. It's just one of those things that you don't see in other parts of X-Men history, except for all the parts I haven't read, and um, which is like a lot of X-Men history. I'm sure he's all over the place, but to me, it's just uh, not a whole lot. Yeah. He does end up getting used in X-Force starting around the 40s and then some other books after that, and I haven't okay. gotten that far. So I'm going to be curious to see if this story is followed up on or if they just ignore it. Yeah, I don't know. I was really curious about that, too. Um, I'm not sure where it shows up next. Um, I'm currently reading um, the 2000 volume of Exiles, and there's a version of Calvin Rankin that never quits the X-Men and actually is like a legendary X-Man that's part of that team. So that's kind of cool. Um, Maybe that's one of the reasons why he's because I think I have read some of those issues, too, before I read the Silver Age X-Men run. I was ah, like, oh, okay. the mimic. OK, yeah, I think I think it glommed into my head more because of that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. Yeah, you're right that it's hard to tell what's old history and what's retconned history because Higgins does a pretty good job of blending all that together. Yeah, yeah, he does, for sure. And I wish we had more recount the life story parts in comics. I mean... Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, especially when you want your readers to care about the character. Um, right. kind of know where they've been. You're not going to do it all the time, and you couldn't do it. I mean, you want to, like, tighten up the pacing with it, but you could in, – in a comic book that has, like, three or four panels on the page, 
at, on average, which is like a lot of comics do nowadays, you could take like <laughs> one or two pages and throw nine panels on there of recapping this guy's story if the character is going to be important to your story. Right. And then just like give the Reader's Digest version of everything that comics have done with him so far. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have, you know, I'm not one of those guys that splits hairs over different eras. I love comics from all eras. Um, one of the things that does bug me a little bit about modern comics is that sometimes they don't really care where the character was before. They just <laughs> pull them in because they want to use them, and there's not really any attempt to say, hey, this is where you know you saw them last or anything, because sometimes when you saw them last, it might contradict what the new writer's trying to do, and they don't want to point that out. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah. I feel like any, and I, I know that the vast majority of comics writers do their research. It's not a problem, but I feel like any comics writer who's going to use character X needs to, at the very minimum, read the character's origin story and first stories and then their last stories. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. else in between, you know, whatever. But you need to know how they started and what they are and where they last were. But that's just me. I agree. Yeah. All right, well, anything else on the Mimic recap and review? No, I just really liked the recap. I liked all the Silver Age. I liked the Puppet Master pulling the strings on the Mimic was a delightful panel. <laughs> it was, yeah. And the Mimic fighting the Super Adaptoids, since they're basically the same co- character concept, that was really neat. Yeah, like The Mimic was. is to the X-Men what the Super Adaptoid is to the Avengers. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And that's a... Actually, a pretty cool issue. I read that recently in my 60s read-through. Um, and the way they kind of screw with each other's powers is pretty neat. And, um, and you guys will get there someday. <laughs> someday. We just recorded We just recorded the end of 1963. Wow. And you're in, you're in like 1968, right? I just started 69, like this last week. Okay, so... so yeah. You did you read the one shot Guardians of the Galaxy comic from Marvel Superheroes? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's weird because it's the only Guardians of the Galaxy comic for like ten years. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, someone's like, "Hey, maybe we should do something with this." Right. Um, it's a really cool concept. Yeah. All right. All right. Number sixty. Our penultimate chapter. Top of the world. Looking. Down on creation. Um, anyway, this cover is by Cap alumni, Captain America legend, uh, Kieran Dwyer. He's one of my favorite 80s Cap artists. I feel like he's very underrated and doesn't get the appreciation he probably deserves. But um, And this issue like has the Captain America story in it that he does not draw. Yeah. yeah. And his Captain America on the back of the cover does not look nearly as cool as his Captain America and Captain America. <laughs> right? uh, I feel like the back of the cover is pretty rushed. I, the front of the cover looks pretty great, I think. Um, yeah, Wolverine with his claws out, making a grin, and then Hulk about to just beat the pulp out of something with crazy eyes and fists raised in the air. I think it's a pretty sweet cover. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I do not want to be the person that they're both looking at. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> But Scarlet Witch is my queen. She is one of my favorite Marvel characters, and I want to read more of her stuff. Um, and I, I, I should probably 
I, I I'm not gonna pri- prioritize this Scarlet Witch story because the uh, Marvel Comics present stories are often not the best option to read about somebody. Um, if you want to see her be an old time pirate, then this is for you. Okay. <laughs> and a guy that's not a mastermind. He's the past master, and he looks just like Jason Wingard uh, in old timey clothes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I do uh, want to read more Scarlet Witch, just not this one. Yeah. Oh man, her. Uh, what John Byrne does with her in West Coast Avengers is pretty epic, um, if not a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah. Um, okay. So back to Wolverine. Um, so angry mimic fights Wolverine until Hulk calms him down. Then they hitch a ride to Canada. Or Hulk is a mean drunk. <laughs> they hitch a ride with the um, with the same hippies from the yeah. beginning of the story. Yeah, they find them in the van. They, Which they, is weird since they were on a road trip and somehow they're still in the vicinity. <laughs> well, they had to change vehicles for some reason because they were in a nice convertible and now they're in a red van. Yeah, she yeah. says it's a good thing we're in the van this time. And I'm like, why are you in the van this time? Why have you not actually still been driving? <laughs> since that's usually how road trips work. Yeah. Yep. I did. You know, I, I was kind of, I kind of like to poke fun when people smell, 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 when people spell snitch wrong. But when I realized what was going on here and that the missing T is always mimic. And so the difference in the sounds really clicked with me. And I thought that was a really subtle, cool way to show that. So oh, I didn't even notice that. That's yeah. so clever. And so, and throughout the rest of the story, when I thought it was just like a misspelling or an error, or maybe, you know, he doesn't write Wolverine, so he doesn't know. It, no, it really turns out that any time it was missing the T was also the mimic. And so it was really consistent throughout the whole story that, it was kind of a clue that you don't catch until you see it here on this first page where they both pop in a closet at the same time. I thought it was really cool and really kind of a, if you're paying attention, that's really kind of a very rewarding thing. And if you're not, you can go back and look and see how it builds up. It's really cool. Um, but yeah. And then we get a clank, a clank, a clank as the claws uh, hit each other. Um, so now that we know it's a mimic, right. I know that he mimics powers, but I guess at this point in chronology, Wolverine's power would be, well, let's see. Huh. <laughs> I'm just curious why mim- mimics claws would be adamantium. Um, um. He has adamantium in his body system because of the experiments with his dad. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. It's a little bit of a, of a loosey-goosey explanation that, like, his powers would then turn that adamantium into claws like Wolverine's. Right. But there is there is adamantium in his body system. Yeah. Because at this point, what we know of Wolverine is those, those claws were added at some point to him. Um, we don't know about bone claws yet or anything like that. Um I will say when you get to Exiles, uh, Mimic, who is able to keep any five powers at a time, at, when, at the point when he has Wolverine's claws, they are bone claws. So that was interesting. Um, okay. I've decided that um, 
Wolverine always had bone claws and just misremembered it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's kind of, Cameron and I used to have a game, uh, whenever they talk about the claws or whatever, we just say, in adamantium, because that was the the change. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But yeah, so, um, like when you said, I never had claws before, well, I never had them in adamantium. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, I I thought it was a nice story. Uh, The fight doesn't last too long. And really, do we really ever learn exactly? Oh, yeah, because he got drunk. Yeah, so Hulk loses his mind with a bottle of wine. Yeah, he, there's, an, there's an overdone moment of um, everyone being a teetotaler except Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner's like, no, shoot, if I'm going to ride some hippies, I'm getting drunk. <laughs> I'm getting wasted because I live life as the Hulk, and this is the only pleasure I can have. So, yeah. Right. Then I'm going to tear up the, uh, oh no, the Space Needle Seattle. What do they call the Space Needle in Toronto? I don't remember. Um, um, Canadian. <laughs> it's the Space Needle, eh? That's what it's called. <laughs> I'm going to get an angry email from Pat. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, yeah, well, Pat. Yeah. Anything else on that one? <laughs> no, I feel like we're just kind of flying through this, but really, I mean, it's, it's not that it's not a fun read. It's just it's decompressed all to anything. Yeah. So not a whole lot is happening in each chapter. It's like each moment is fun. And the story beats. I feel like this last bit with the Hulk being angry for no reason is is a little bit, is the only thing that's really unnecessary. The story is stretching here to fill eight pages, eight chapters. Right. Where it really could have ended after seven. Yeah, definitely could have for sure. And you know what happens when you make bad choices like that? You get instant karma, which is the name of our last chapter. <laughs> um, however, that we have a, a cover from Richard Howell, and it's the only cover I don't like. Yeah, Wolverine looks too. okay, but Hulk looks goofy, and the whole thing is way too cartoony. After all the really moody covers of the whole run, this yeah. is just kind of like, why, why, why is this here? Yeah. That happened in our last episode, too. I didn't like the Richard Howell cover. Mm-hmm. And on the back, yeah, you have Scarlet Witch with uh, pirate clothes, and her top is open all the way down, which oh, is very yeah. common for male pirates, less common for female pirates, because right. um, Doctor Strange and Poison. I don't even know who Poison is. Poison! I don't either. Poison! That girl is Poison! Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last chapter, Friday the 13th, part four. <laughs> Hulk is on a rampage because he does that. Yeah. The two Wolverines decide to climb up the uh, the Canadian tower that's not the Seattle tower <laughs> to talk to him up on the big old flat top at the top, and Hulk's like swatting them around, hitting them, and... and he the the Hulk jumps off the building and the two Wolverines are like just grabbing onto him like a yippee yuck. They won't let go of his <laughs> foot or his back, and they land. And the Hulk's like, "Oh, I feel better now." He turns back into Bruce Banner. No, no, it isn't really Bruce Banner. They go into a cave, and turns out they have magically happenstance wandered into the cave where Calvin Rankin has been hiding for most of his life. And Jor-El shows up. Like, <laughs> in a, 
a big old warbly AI image of Calvin Rankin's father saying, my son, I sent you to earth to be a light to me. No. Um, he basically says, sorry, your life's been crap. I really tried to make it not crap. Here's some computers to help you with your life. And then he fades away. And um, Wolverine tells Calvin to he can cope with life by meditating. And the interaction with not Jarrell turns Calvin back to looking like a person instead of like Wolverine. Right? Yeah. And that last panel, is that Calvin sitting yeah. there? Yeah. Meditating? Okay. Wolverine sent him to Japan to meditate and no peace. So, yeah, I feel like this ending could have been at the end of last ish, last chapter. Right. We didn't need Hulk getting drunk. No. Um, we would, it would, it means we would not have seen the hippies again. And so their presence in chapter two or three would have been just like, really? What, what is this? Um, but they didn't really add anything at this point either. So whatever. (laughs) Right. And, uh, we didn't need Hulk on a rampage. We could have gone from the explanation of his life to the resolution of him finding his cave. Hey guys, let me show you the cave I used to live in. (gasps) Computer dad. (laughs) oh goodness so um tell me how you read page seven where he says i see wolverine then at least some of my efforts paid off is this uh is this an attempt to tie calvin rankin's dad to wolverine's past i don't think that ever gets paid off or you think um, just saying, oh, my son found a friend, so my efforts paid off. Like, is this is this the story that had um I read something recently, I can't remember if it's this story or some other story that talked about Project Alpha slash Project Omega. Oh, that was this story, yeah. Um and that's when they talked about his dad working with Adamantium. Okay, okay, well, here's the thing. Project Alpha slash Project Omega. That, to me, says Alpha Flight, Omega Flight, like it's precursor. Ah, Which okay. is Department H. Which, right. am I correct, has connections to Weapon X program? Yep. So, I think, yeah, I think Calvin Rankin's dad is tied in with Wolverine's origins. Okay. Uh, it's a shame that that connection doesn't... Really mean anything? Yeah, because then... I don't know. Then you tie Mimic and Wolverine together more. So this story becomes more of a launching pad for a kind of more connected relationship between the two, where instead of just kind of never really seeing each other again. Right. Well, it turns out like in a later issue that Calvin Rankin's that is actually Apocalypse, which is why (laughs) Apocalypse was the one who was making Wolverine happen. Yeah. And then Jungle Adventure. Yeah. Right. Right. He was he was the one on the other end of the phone in the Weapon X story. Ah, okay. There you go. <laughs> Calvin Rankin's dad. Yes. Who doesn't actually get a name, does he? Isn't he just Mr. Rankin? Mr. Mr. Rankin's, Rankin's my father. father. <laughs> 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 we went to the same place. Yeah, we did. That's funny. I also like the very subtle difference. And I'm, I hope I'm not giving Ross too much credit. But I feel like 
once we get the reveal, we start seeing subtle facial differences between Mimic as Wolverine and Logan as Wolverine, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, um, they were there as far back as the I'm actually Calvin Rankin, and I feel like if you go farther back, you do see them, you just didn't realize what you were seeing. Right, yeah. Yep. I thought that was really cool. Um, so, nowhere in that van, there was a pair of pants for poor Calvin. <laughs> or anywhere like a Walmart along the highway, something. Because <laughs> that, that no, guy does no not get out of his underwear until he gets to Japan and puts on some ornamental robes. Right. And still no pants. Yeah, possibly not. Yeah. <laughs> going commando under there. <laughs> commando in a kimono. Ah, that's a that's a that's, that's the latest I action do. figure, the Komodo yes. Commando Squad. <laughs> New from Mattel. All right. Well, what did you think of the art overall? The visual of the book. I thought the I'm not usually a big art person, but I thought the art really enhanced this story's reading experience. Um, It is pretty heavily inked, as we said, but I thought, you know, the penciling and the inking and the coloring all really worked well together to make a story. Um, There's a lot of stuff that was done here that, you know, like you were just saying, the subtle differences between Wolverine and not Wolverine. Um, they are there back in the first issue, but you don't realize what you're looking at. You just see a, a, a weird, strange image of Wolverine slashing people up. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit scratchy and it's a little bit ill defined in a few places as far as faces go, especially with the Hulk. But overall, right. I thought this was a really effective work. Yeah. I liked it. I thought the art contributed to. Or was a band-aid over some places where maybe the writing pacing wasn't great. The art kind of helped bridge that gap, I thought. Because mm-hmm. And knowing that Higgins is kind of a new, this is early in his career, I really, my only thing about the writing would be some of the pacing choices seem a little odd. Um, and I'm not sure if... He really knew what kind of story he wanted it to be the whole time. Um, we kind of get hints of, oh, well, maybe starting off, this is going to be a road trip story, like almost like a a buddy cop kind of thing with Wolverine and, and Hulk. And it really, really turns out, I mean, more than anything, to be a mimic story. Um, but it's pretty interesting because you don't really see that like halfway through. Um, and so but I thought it was a good twist. Um, uh, so my thing about the cops that I thought was a little bit kind of weird, I felt like he did a lot of work to give clues and hints that these were like um, dirty hillbilly cops who like, you know, abused prisoners. And at one point Wolverine even says after he, after he busts out of jail, like, I should go back and do something, but they'll get theirs eventually. And I really thought like before the end of the story, like, 
something was going to happen to these crooked cops or, you know, but they kind of just disappear. And so it felt like a lot of work to set them up as not such great guys and maybe a little corrupt. And then, you know, kind of what was the point of that? Kind of no payoff. Um, But other than that, I thought the three primary characters all played really well. Um, I did get a sense uh, that Higgins reading other books at this time kind of felt a little bit like a mix between um, Peter David and and Nacente's Daredevil run as far as some of the way the dialogue is shaped. That's an interesting way to describe it, but yeah, I would have to agree. It, it like the the personable nature of Peter David's scripting makes with the kind of out there wacky nature of Anacenti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with both of their humor or witticisms, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what What are your general thoughts on the writing and or just story overall? So. The story is on from one perspective, the story is too long. The story that he needs to tell does not need eight chapters to tell it in. At the same time, the things he does along the way to make each chapter enjoyable actually work within that chapter. Like each chapter feels like an entertaining and sustaining read. Um, you know, the, the, the fights and, just the, the different connective tissue that are going on. So it, the, the overall story is too long, but the telling of it uh, works out. Okay. For me. Um, and really, honestly, the uh, reading back through this, I liked it a lot more than I expected to through the first time. It's confusing. And there's that important thing to be taken into account, but through the second time, I had a ball. I enjoyed the 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 things he did to play the two Wolverines out to tease you and to try to confuse. Like I enjoyed the attempts to confuse you. To right. are you sh- are you sure you're reading what you just thought you were reading? Because <laughs> you might not have actually read that right. Go back and check it. it. Was actually what was happening in my brain. Right. Um. And I thought I don't know. I, I felt like that was kind of a cool effect. Um, so as a story that really works better as a trade than as floppies, I'm going to give this a pretty high rating. Okay. How high would you like to go? Yeah, go ahead. I I am going to go up to the, um, five out of six Canadian doppelgangers. All right. Fair enough. Um, I am going to go just one claw lower. I'm going to go four out of six claws. Um, I think, you know, it's funny because the more issues I got in, the more I liked it. Talking about it here, I like it a little bit more. I I think I could probably read it again and maybe get up to that five, but where I am right now would be a very high, solid four out of six. Yeah. Yeah. And just seeing the mimic, the seeing the mimic again was really cool. Uh, yeah, he's a Silver Age concept. He disappears at the beginning of the Bronze Age, and he hasn't been seen since. <laughs> yeah. And now he's here for this, and he's going to come back in the '90s for more 
I looked up his appearances and yeah, starting with X Force and then some and Excalibur in the one hundreds. So in the nineties, Mimic comes back and I didn't even realize that was gonna happen, which sets up nicely his stuff in X Files at the turn of the decade. Um but yeah. So fun read, fun times. And we yeah. are I was flipping ahead while you were doing your little um bringing stuff together. There's a two parter and there's an eight parter, and then it's weapon X time, sir. Nice. Very cool. So I'm looking forward to reading that again. I haven't read that in a while. Yeah, yeah. I want to read it again too. And I wasn't kidding about Apocalypse being the other person on the on on the other end of the phone. <laughs> that was the idea. I don't, I'm sure you know that. But yeah, it, yeah, yeah. When I found that out, I was like, <gasps> that that was the original plan was to have Apocalypse masterminding it all. To have Apocalypse Jason Wingarding everything. Right. <laughs> oh man, have you been enjoying Spawn as much as it sounds like? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's a fun book. It really is, and it stays pretty good through most of the first hundred issues. So, anyway, yeah, yeah I, I've gotten into just the beginning of the um, the writers' run where he brings four other writers for four other issues, and yeah. they they really do a lot to expand the mythos of Spawn mm-hmm. in ways that Todd hadn't done yet. And I want to go and say, hey, advantage of it though. Yeah, like whose ideas were these? Because you're taking the stuff McFarlane did and using it in new ways. That's really cool. And um, I'll be uh, I'll be reading the Angela issue and recording about that here pretty soon. But oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that is a great segue. Uh, why don't you tell the folks? I mean, they should know and should be listening to all your shows already. But just in case, why don't you let them know where they can find you elsewhere? So. Um, my fascination is by do is with doing things from the beginning. So uh, when I got back into podcasting earlier this year, a friend of mine, Michael Kaiser, and I decided to go to the Marvel Universe and do it from the beginning on a podcast. So we're reading every superhero story from the Marvel Universe, the Fantastic Four number one forward. Um and that's at makehoursmarvel.com. And every time I say every every Marvel story from the beginning, I know that there is people out there that are like, what about the Golden Age? What about Timely? Huh? And like, we love that stuff. But it's not the Marvel Universe. Not for a while afterward. Uh, anyways, so we right. start with Fantastic Four 1. And we're going forward. And second show that I've been starting this year is another from the beginning show. This is all by myself. Uh, and that is going to be all the pouches and image comics podcast. And that is at John reads comics.com with no H in John reads comics. So you can hear me go through all the early stuff, spawn the savage dragon, young blood. I've been talking some cyber force. I've been talking some shadow Hawk. Um, I've recorded some coverage of pit. Um, my, my daughter and I are, she's going to help me look at the max. So really, really excited to be getting through early image because uh, that's my aesthetic. That's what I was, you know, that's what was happening when I was getting into comics. And um, first of the year is going to see me starting up a show, a weekly brief show that is intended to be a audio commentary as you are watching episodes of Himitsu Sentai Go Ranger which is the first incarnation of Super Sentai, 
which is the Japanese show that would later get adapted for American audiences and become Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But I've always been more of a fan of the Japanese original versions. And it's silly. It's 1970s live action superheroes on a Japanese, you know, short budget. So um, <laughs> Keenan loves to tear apart the costumes whenever they come on because they look so fake. Uh, and we just we have a good time. So that is also at johnreadscomics.com. And you can find the Go Ranger episodes by doing some Googling for Rampage fan subs because they're the ones who put all the English words at the bottom of the episode so I can know what the heck is going on <laughs> in the episode. Nice. Um, so it's actually them finishing that subtitle project, which inspired the uh, podcast because um, I've been waiting for that show to get finished by somebody out there who does fan subs for a very long time. Very cool. So yeah, those yeah. three shows make Gars Marvel, All the Pouches, and Super Silly Sentai. You can follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Yep. Also with no H. <laughs> also with no H. And there's no H in Twitter. And there's no H in Facebook. True. And uh, there's no H in Jason Venable. Nothing I'm aware of. And there's no H in Snicked or in Wolverine. No. Really, H is a useless letter. No, I, I see it lurking around the corner every now and then, but that's about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes well anyway <laughs> um for the podcast that goes into course you, uh you can like the facebook page twitter is at snickcast um just want to give a hearty thank you to john for coming back on the show um and talking some mcp with me um i really appreciate it and always uh, love when we get to chat yeah it's always a fun time talking and looking forward to other flashback episodes with uh cameron and others listening to what else is going on wolverine's life yeah uh yeah um so the next speaking of that the next flashback will be the coming of larry hammer so <gasps> yeah we're there <laughs> and that also includes one of my favorite wolverine covers of all time so I'm probably going to pull those out and start rereading along with your show because I've been just listening and going on memory, but it's starting to be a while since I've read. And since Larry (laughs) Hama, basically, I had no idea, Jason. I had no idea. And the first things he does are kind of just, you know, comic book fun, whatever. But oh my gosh. And like building towards issue 50 and all the stuff he does in the late 30s, the 40s and... The stuff with the um, the stuff with the androids is adorable fun and <laughs> anyways, looking forward to rereading it all. So I'm glad you're diving into that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully hopefully before the end of the year we'll get to that. Um as Cameron is working vigorously on his doctorate. Um but Oh. Cameron, yeah. best of hopes. Don't don't live your life A B D. Get that thing done. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, um, yeah, I just, again, thank you. And uh, for everybody else, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs> awesome.